Does everybody know what time it is? It's time to go to the YMCA. <laughs> That's right, baby. It's a grunt work. It's very smooth today. Are you hosting this podcast with Billy D. Williams over here? <laughs> You know, I, 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 I've been fiending, wake up late, wake up in the late night, dreaming about your loving, Hmm. girl, you know, I, 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 girl, you know, I, 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 don't need dumbbells or bike, just your body Hmm. to mic up on Grunt Work, (laughs) the only podcast about the TV show Home Improvement that gives you... Another piece of my heart now, baby. Wait, are you talking to two different... Oh, God. Okay, sorry. Go on, go on. I am your host. Jump for my love, Solano. Three. Joined always by my co-host, Truman. Let's get physical education <laughs> caps. <laughs> Truman, how are you? Landon. I am scared. Are you are you scared that perhaps once again we've watched different episodes? Or uh, are you maybe. are you are you scared that this podcast is turning into just a talk singing jukebox musical? <laughs> never, never afraid of that. Uh, no, I, I'm I'm a little afraid um, because uh, I don't know. Listeners, listeners will know. Uh, I moved to Madison uh, in the last year. Madison, year and a half. Madison, Wisconsin, mind you, not Madison, yep. California. <laughs> that's that's right. Uh, and as we're recording this, there's a tornado watch going on. Uh, and I don't say that lightly considering the tragedies that have happened and the dramatic, you know, uh, threat of climate change. Generally speaking, we shouldn't be having tornado watches in December, yet here we are. So, yes, uh, that's the kind of energy I'm bringing to this episode. <laughs> you know, I think that mortal peril and kind of like adrenaline coursing through your veins and and your entire <laughs> body being like a coiled spring ready to, yeah. to snap at any time i think that that is actually the perfect environment for comedy to happen so if this winds I, up being I, our I, funniest episode ever i think we should all expect this to be our funniest episode ever honestly you, you know what i you know what i'm gonna bring to this what what kind of energy is like I'm having a I'm having trouble pinpointing exactly what movie or TV show it might have happened in, but like think of Zucker Brothers. Like if there's some sort of big disaster happening, and there's some sort of commentator or news journalist that has to like be serious about what they're doing, and they just talk all the way through it as if nothing's actually happening to them, yet their entire house is blown away around them, and they're still mm-hmm. speaking into a microphone. Like that's that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be you know in that Wizard of Oz you know, uh, proscenium that is her window during the tornado. Mm-hmm. Everything's flying by. Like, it's going to be me sitting in my computer chair speaking into a podcast microphone uh, as if nothing's happening. Uh, a podcast microphone different from a normal microphone, first off. Secondly, I do. I think that would greatly enhance Wizard of Oz if there was just somebody <laughs> podcasting flying around. Well, I think the seventh season is a great improvement! Um... It's a scary thing. It's a scary thing. You know, I was telling Landon mm-hmm. earlier, like, you know, we, we have our own problems here in L.A. It, it rained last night. It's about, uh, oh, gosh, it's down to 49 degrees, and I have some pretty dry skin. So clearly both Landon and I are both, you know, we're both dealing with some serious weather events, probably of <laughs> equal uh, importance. It's um, in the 40s for you, and it's 63 here. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, yeah. Seems so people uh, write your congressman. Let's get some fucking policy on the books for this climate change bullshit. Yes, all all of our all of our listeners in West Virginia, please tell your millionaire houseboat dwelling senator that uh, climate that change guy. actually is something we should be working on. Um but listen, folks, we're I'm we're listening. not here on we're not here on this podcast to talk about minor trifling issues like climate change. We're here to talk no. about the important things that affect Americans' lives on a day-to-day basis and will in fact determine the the future of human civilization. And that's the TV series Home Improvement. Oh, okay, gotcha. Thank you. I needed oh. a prompt on that. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, it's easy to forget. It's easy to forget what we're really here to here to talk about. Uh, Indeed. Um, this is a very uh, special episode, a bookend, if you will. Yes. Because this episode, um, if <laughs> listeners a few episodes ago will note, uh, <laughs> a historic thing happened here on Grunt Work. We yep. watched two different episodes. Oh, boy. <laughs> Oh boy, <laughs> did we ever <laughs> two very sweaty gym riddled episodes? I, uh, I and we yeah. <laughs> we've come to the the episode that Truman accidentally watched the first time, um, and now I I've gotten to see it. Though I wanted to take uh, our patron Mason, he he made a suggestion, and he's like, the two of you should have just explained the episode to each other. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I wish you hadn't watched the other one, and I didn't watch this one, and we just told each other what happened in it. We were just just two two old buds swapping stories about different experiences they had yeah. on the same night. I mean, yeah. that would have been better. I, I what I would say to refute that to Mason is that on the night that we were recording, it was the it was like the day before Thanksgiving, and I think both of us, oh, yeah. as soon as we realized there was an opportunity to punt on having to record that night and go on and live our lives. <laughs> We we valued that way more than doing something that our listeners would like. Let me just tell you, that probably would have been a better show, uh, but being able to <laughs> knock off early was in, was the best show for the two of us. Um, oh, boy. But um, let me also tell you, though. Let me tell yeah. you. Last night, tell going me. to bed, thinking like, oh, man, we're recording tomorrow. I haven't watched the episode yet. I got to wake up early to watch the episode so I can have the whole day to digest and get ready. And then I realized, wait, I've already watched the episode. <laughs> The sweetest wine, <laughs> ladies and well, gentlemen. That, that answers my question as to whether or not you watch it a second time. Um, I, I, I genuinely you, wanted to, and then work happened. But I, I'm fami- oh, I, I have okay. my notes from from last week, and I'm familiar with 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 <laughs> what right. happened. I've I've reviewed it, this, I've reviewed my notes. This is going to be a loosey goosey episode because I I wrote my notes um, as the tornado watch started. So I, to say they're distracted is. Um, uh, saying the very least about them. So I, I we'll 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 get through this episode together, um, uh, f- folks. Folks, I hope that that all the other podcasts you listen to start with like twenty minutes of the hosts <laughs> making excuses for why the episode won't be good because that is uh that is peak performance. They that can't criticize us if we acknowledge it before it happens. They they can't criticize us if if one of us has to flee a natural disaster <laughs> and the other one of us is cold and has dry skin. Oh, uh, good lord. Um. Truman, before we continue, because you are about yes. to launch into a synopsis of what we watched this week. Um, I am. Or what we're, let me rephrase that. It'll be a little more accurate. What we're going to cover this week. Yes. Um, before you do that, I want to play our game. And oh, we should come up with a title for this game. I, I, yeah. Why <laughs> haven't we yet? Game. I this know. is just called we're not good Pee-wee's Playhouse <laughs> slash Password Chalupa Challenge, but not really Chalupa is for our patrons only game. 
It's a mouthful, but it's accurately titled. Actually, it's uh, a mouthful, too. <laughs> Chalupa equivalent. So basically, if you're just tuning into this episode, first question, why? Second question I, stop. is, do you want to know what this game is? Because I'm going to tell you. Basically, I have chosen a secret word uh, for this episode. And if Truman says it at any point, our patrons over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod will all get a Chalupa equivalent prize. Um, I, I realize, I, you know what? I don't even want to explain the Chalupa part anymore. <laughs> just let, let, let them guess. Let the no, people no, guess. No, it, no, it's just it's just layers upon layers of dumb inside joke bullshit that's ossified like, like a, a stalactite over over the years. Yes, that's very that's all very true. A layer um, Chalupa. So, yes. Uh, password rules. Seven I, I have Chalupa. I have put together a secret word for this episode. Truman, I'm going to mute myself so that you can't hear me, but I'm going to tell our listeners what the word is. So, are you ready, sir? I am ready. Do it. Mute me. Truman, can you hear me? Truman. Truman, can you hear me? Here we go. This week's secret word is juicy. Juicy, like the notorious B.I.G. song, or the back of those Victoria's Secret pants. I think they're Victoria's Secret. I don't know. Not my not my realm. Uh, notorious B.I.G. Juicy. Here we go. Wake up, Truman. One of these weeks, Landon, you're going to say, all right, we're gonna, I'm going to meet you, Truman, and then you're going to just hang up the phone, and I'm going to stand here in my goddamn <laughs> office for an hour and a half like, I guess Landon's just doing a really long bit. I hope the listeners like it. Yeah, it's gonna, And it's going to be the best joke in the world, and I will be so punked. Oh, that's our next uh, April Fool's episode. Um, <laughs> Truman. But, but you're playing the joke on me, not the listeners. What's the point of that? <laughs> Jeremy, okay. Landon, what did we watch this week? This week, we, we watched an episode of the TV series Home Improvement, but I'll give you a we synopsis did. of what happened on that episode if you'd like. Tell me. Tell it to me. When Jill gets hit on by an attractive, opera-loving widower at the YMCA, she begins to fear that her relationship with Tim has lost its spark and passion. These fears mm. intensify when she has a romantic dream about smooching said gym rat by the elliptical trainer. But together, <laughs> Tim and Jill work out their relationship troubles in an all-night-long heart-to-heart. All night long. Oh, that's, a, that's like a sixth sixth song. <laughs> I've got music in my heart this. tonight, man. <laughs> oh, my God. You're, th- now that's what I call podcast 47. Um, <laughs> really good. Oh, it's all fun and games until it's game time. Truman, guess that title. Okay, it's not even got... a question this time. It's a demand. You're going <laughs> to guess it. Uh, look, that's a demand made by by a man with the adrenaline coursing through his veins, who's you know who's who's ready for uh, anything. You need titles from me to sustain yourself in the in the, the upcoming disaster. Uh, okay, I'll give you three titles because those okay, are the ones I'll that I've got. And if you need if you need more to sustain yourself, I'll come up with extras. All right, you're First sustained option. for the actual title. We'll sustain you for the rest of the episode. Oh God, don't give me that hint. Okay, all right. First option. <laughs> YMC, hey! <laughs> you know, like a hollaback kind of situation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right, all right. So that's my first one. The next one, <laughs> uh, uh, ahead of this, there's a there's a, a character who we never see in this episode named Pee Wee who gets uh, referenced a lot. Sure. So yes, just right, brace right. yourself. 
Pee-wee's Marriage House. I'm assuming that Landon is, has died because of how good that option is. Can you repeat it? <laughs> Pee-wee's Marriage House. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's not, it's not, it's not the best, but I, I think it works. I mean, it's, it's, it's relevant. Last Pee-wee's one. Pee-wee's Gym Adventure. <laughs> Fuck. Okay, that's actually really good. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and probably big, big hot Pee-wee would be the other option. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure that movie exists. Please do not Google it. The unauthorized porno parody. This ain't Pee Wee. Um, (laughs) That would would be Big Top Peen Ween, actually. Big big Top Peen Weenus. There we go. I I solved it, guys. All right. Last one. Oh, my God. (laughs) Last option. All right. Jim Hotta. Now, those of you, Kata? <laughs> yeah, like the movie Jim Kata, the the famous kung fu movie that involves a uh, like set of parallel bars being set up in the middle of a village where a guy does a bunch of kung fu. Yeah, Jim guys, Hata. listen. What, wow. what you all know about bits I was ready to do like three weeks ago, and I've been waiting to get Landon's responses on these. Oh Whew. man. Okay. Well, uh, so three weeks, and you couldn't come up with anything better than Pee Wee's. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> Pee-wee's marriage house. I don't. I mean, it's not my best one, but it's certainly de- not deserving of this level of derision and criticism, sir. <laughs> I don't know. I think we got to put that to the forums. Wow, dude, <laughs> Pee-wee's marriage house. I think it fits. I mean, the people at home right now they don't understand how Pee-wee is an integral part of this episode. But he's I think not. that once he's a, no, he's thematically important. Much like okay, most of the movie Chinatown doesn't take place in Chinatown, but Chinatown Fair. is still like thematically relevant. And true, they called the true. movie Chinatown. They would have called it <laughs> Chinatown's Marriage House if there were. I don't know. I actually, I can't get much further with that one. If what? If someone was cheating <laughs> on someone else with Chinatown? I mean, there is marital Ooh. infidelity in that movie, but it's. Um, oh man, Truman, this Landon. I need you to brace yourself. <laughs> okay, well, what's what's the actual title? I'm fucking. I'm gonna sit down. I'm gonna stop doing my stand-up comedy shtick and sit down. <laughs> in the rich vein of titles <sighs> involving Jill, this is gonna kill me. <laughs> I'm gonna be dead after this. <laughs> Somehow, Pee Wee's Marriage House is worse than this, but. Um, <laughs> You've never gone this hard against one of my options. I thought we were friends, Landon, and you were shitting on my creative products. We're we're friends enough that I could be honest with you. Okay, that's Um, true. It's true. In the rich vein of Jill-titled episodes, like Jill's birthday and Jill's surprise party. Oh, no, no, God, no. This episode is titled, Jill's Passion. Ugh. Ugh. God. I mean, I get that the movie came out a few years after, but they couldn't go with the passion of the Jill, at least. Jill's <laughs> passion. Jill's passion. It's, it, they try so hard sometimes, but they don't try when it's a Jill-centric episode. And I just want to say <laughs> sexism is alive and well in America, uh, both today and 25 years ago when this episode was made. Fuck. I'll tell you when this bad. episode was made. When November was 11th, made? 1997, directed by Peter Bonners and written by Elliot Shonen and Marley Sims. Truman, how did you feel about this episode that you watched last year? I, I did not. Well, come on now. You watched I, it when you were younger. 
I did watch. Okay, I was you're younger. <laughs> you, were, you were a different age when you watched this. As a fresh faced thirty two year old, I watched this episode, and with the uh, you know, and now with the many the sands of time have made me a thirty three year old. That being said, uh, I, I I really liked this episode a lot. I thought this episode ah. was very sweet. I thought that it had mm-hmm. a level of nuance that I'm not really used to seeing on Home Improvement, and it dug yes. into marriage and relationship stuff in a really mature way that I respected a lot. I I think that Tim and Jill kind of talk more honestly in this episode about yes. their relationship than they ever have before. Like Tim usually like like Jill tries to talk to Tim about their relationship a lot on this show and Tim usually retreats into jokes and comedy bits and grunting and anger or whatever like i don't know being dismissive of the whole process in this episode he honestly engages with her about their relationship and issues in their relationship and it's so endearing and i like it so much so um yeah so it's a it's a good example of good tim uh my my other my other comments uh is that this this is a this is kind of a horny episode of home improvement It's it's kind of a horny season it is kind of a horny season. I think it gets hornier as it goes. This show, less grunting, more <laughs> fucking. Uh, they're 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 brushing the cobwebs out of they're, the fuck spots. They're at the very end of this episode. Not to not to spoil two hours from now, but okay. um, <laughs> it's the closest to fucking we've seen on this show. Well, and I mean, also this episode ends with the only earned instant well okay no the second thus far i think earned instance of the episode resolves with tim and jill boning down this is the second time that i that they do that and i accept it happening not just like oh well we got to do something um (laughs) the and other than that uh my just big question that we can answer over the course of the episode how does jill have time to work out like how (laughs) Three, she's raising three boys. She's going to school. She's seeing clients as a uh-huh. therapist, and she has time to work out. I have none of that, and I don't have time to work out. Maybe it's because I budget so much time for video games. I don't know. I'm not well, really willing to. No, I, that, that's probably not the issue. I, I'm just saying. I'm impressed. Although, I will say, uh, not to delay the issue or the episode any further, but I think this is thematically important as well. Just the same as Pee Wee is. Um, I. The thought of going to a gym to work out, uh, I don't know how people fit that into their schedules. To, like, go to a separate place to do a thing and then shower and then get in the car and come back home or go somewhere else. Like, that's too much. Yeah. Just not liking gym culture in general has kept me away from gyms. But the idea that, like, there's nothing at a gym that I don't feel like I can do at home. I mean, I realize yeah. they've got machines and stuff like that, but, like, I'm not getting on the treadmill. I'll just go for a fucking run. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, or I'll do a, a HIIT workout inside my apartment. Um, yeah. You know, they've got strength machines. Yes, I realize that. But, you know, I've got resistance bands at home. I've got dumbbells at home. So, like, I, there's just not any reason for me to want to go to a gym. So I completely agree with you in this matter of, like, in this episode, they – Jill runs into Tim. They both didn't know they were both at the gym. Exactly. Which is like, what? You know, not to, not to get too deep into the deep dive before we're in the deep dive, but like, how are the Taylors so much gym rats that <laughs> uh, we haven't seen it before season seven, and now they're like taking two cars to the yeah. gym and not knowing that they're both going to the same place? 
Yeah, like this didn't come up in conversation. Like they both have busy lives. They didn't at some point talk and say, oh, I'm going to the gym later. Oh, I'm going to the gym right. too. It's it's really weird. And I just completely agree with you. Uh, I don't understand how anybody is like, oh, you know what? I've dis- I've committed myself to exercising. I am first going to drive 20 minutes to a place. And then after exercising, drive another 20 minutes back. Fuck that. <laughs> Fuck that. Longer if you're in Los Angeles. Ugh, um, yeah. I mean, not to not to deride people that you know actually like going to the gym and, and get yeah, no, out of it. it's just yeah, not something go. I've. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I was trying to be genuine. It sounded like you were backpedaling. No, 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 no. I wasn't backpedaling. No, no, no. Be be genuine. I agree. Like nothing wrong with going to the gym if you do it. God bless. It's just not a yeah, thing. Seriously, I can't make the time for that shit. I, I work I, out at home, but not at the gym. I don't have room in my heart for Jim, but uh, I'm, I'm glad people do in life. Um, yeah, you, you touch on all my personal reflections as well. Like I said, I, I was pretty distracted while watching this, so not, uh, you know, I, I, my notes are going to be sparse. Um, my main note was just I really like how they're showing the progression of their marriage this season. Yeah. Uh, their relationship yeah. is just like, you know, we've talked about in previous seasons of, you know, why do you continue to stay married to this guy? Granted, you know, uh, I don't, I haven't been in a long-term relationship in a long time. So like the idea of making that choice every day has uh, kind of fallen by the wayside for me. But um, I like that we're finally getting that paid off of like, mm-hmm. oh, they're kind of rediscovering each other. And yeah. through that act, we get to see why they were so good together in the first place. Yeah, which I think I think is sweet, and it's yes. it's taken the show a long time to learn to be heartwarming, but I think it's finally done it. <laughs> yeah, they had to get all that comedy out of the way first. <laughs> yeah, all that quote unquote comedy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Truman, uh, if you're ready, then I say let's turn on the white noise machine, set our breathing timers for five minutes, lay down in a comfortable position, think of sweet dreams, and slowly let ourselves drift. Ever so calmly into the deep dive. Did I say sweet sweet dreams? I meant sweat dreams. Oh, well, there are some sweat dreams in this episode. So, hence we joke. And I hiccup straight into the microphone to uh, further accentuate the fact that I didn't get that. Uh, So, we start out with tool time on location. It's about yes. uh, how to clean out a garage filled with junk. It's a garage full of bagpipes. There's a tribal dragon head. There's a totem pole. We soon realize this is Wilson's garage oh, that Tim and Al. Is that where we are? Oh, really? Is that the place? Uh, <laughs> said, said it. Uh, that, uh, you know about that? Uh, it's, it's funny. You see this on TV? The Wilson's garage. It's uh, full of full of crap, <laughs> and they got to get the tool time guys to clear it out. I'm not even trying. I'm not. I am no. I am. I don't, I don't know what Leno. you're trying to do. I was like, Leno? Oh, am I going to do? Am I going to do Cliff? Am I going to do Leno? It's both. It was, like, I, don't, I, I had no idea where that was going. Um, La- Landon's tornado energy is sapping my energy. I think. Um, <laughs> okay, go ahead. But uh, yeah, so they uh, so it's just about how to clear out a garage and strategies to do that so that so that Wilson can fit his vintage Studebaker inside, uh, and. So they do an advance cut from them talking about how they're going to clean this whole place out to the now completely clean garage with a mm-hmm. whole system of cabinets and organization and everything. Uh, but then we find out in the next scene from Wilson, or not the next scene, we just find out when Wilson comes in that they've just moved all the junk out into Wilson's backyard and Wilson will now have to try and figure out how to get the junk out of his backyard. Another yard sale. Um, yes. Which he had last season. Uh, in the yeah, I know. Episode. 
seems like a this is a dude who has a lot of yard sales, though. I mean, let's be honest. There's a lot to comment on. Uh, I'm not going to lie. But there's one thing that's sticking out to me more than anything else. Wilson has a cannon in his garage. <laughs> yep. Wilson has a cannon from his cold, dead hands, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, I mean, it's decorative, uh, obviously, I would hope. Uh, it's It's been a depreciated. It's no longer in active use. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's a full-size cannon. <laughs> I mean, there's I mean, a lot of shit in this garage, but it's hard not to look at a cannon. <laughs> I mean, maybe that, you know, like, uh, that that is just how you know that his relationship with Tim is really happening on Wilson's terms. Like, if Wilson isn't satisfied with a situation where he is getting uh, bothered every time he steps into his backyard, he can just take that cannon out there and start shooting at Tim's house. The fact that he doesn't is proof that he and Tim are actual friends. I, I can't wait to the season finale when he, like, puts, you know, like, uh, um shutters on that fence and then the cannon can just he lifts it open and the cannon comes out and he shoots the taylor house yeah yeah a real master and commander situation um (laughs) something about this scene also uh watching it uh before having watched last week's episode with willow where where wilson is gifted Mm -hmm. the antique studebaker there's this whole line about like he needs a place to park his antique studebaker yeah what was was that like the fuck is happening wilson has a classic studebaker i thought he just drove an old truck what's going on here everyone on the show has a hot rod now did you have an aha moment last uh last week when you saw the studebaker i i didn't have an aha moment last week i had an aha moment when i started reviewing my notes this morning and was like oh that's right they mentioned the studebaker that's what they were talking about and from week to week that just details slip your mind well, as soon as I, as I guess, as soon as I realized that I'd watched the episode out of sequence, I was like, oh, "Okay, well, I guess that will make sense." But then, yeah, I did forget it because I had other episodes to think about. <laughs> Very good. Um, there's also I'm, there's also a moment I like when he finds Wilson's old uh, uh, Al finds Wilson's old boxing gloves in there, and he and Al yeah. uh, or he and Wilson start like sparring with them, and Tim goes, "Hey, get your own punching bag. This one is mine." In reference to Al, I. On the one hand, I don't like the notion of Al being Tim's punching bag, but on the other hand, I yeah. do like that the show kind of acknowledges that that's how their relationship plays out. Yeah, yeah. There are a number of Al jokes in this scene that I am not super uh, a fan of, but yeah. Um, in regard to those boxing gloves, uh, Wilson says, "Oh yeah, that was from my old boxing days. Uh, I used I was coming up as a I don't know mid midweight. I don't remember what." what class he was but uh he said that uh yeah they used to call me sugar wilson wilson so yeah like i mean <laughs> i i just like the vacuum just 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 sugar i mean yeah like i don't know if now boxing to know what the what sugar ray is that's the was that the name of some or am i thinking of a musician sugar ray vaughn stevie sugar. ray vaughn <laughs> keep free associating <laughs> Uh, sugar, hey, honey, honey, you're my candy girl. Sugar, is that it? Sugar Ray Leonard was the boxer. Mm-hmm. Sugar mm-hmm. Ray did. I just want to fly. Um, and sh- <laughs> what about Sugar Ray Vaughn? What did he do? Sugar Ray Vaughn was when uh, Stevie Ray Vaughn uh, walked on stage with Sugar Ray for their rendition of uh, Every Morning. What about Sugar um, Vince Vaughn? <laughs> <laughs> that's just uh that's just his vibes and swingers he's so money uh, <laughs> sugar baby 
Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but so, um, I don't know. I'm try- like, do you have, do you have anything else from this, uh, this, I, I, this I do. Two, yes. two things. Well, just, two things. okay, I got one, one you observation. You can have as many things as you want, dude. Uh, well, for the sake of time, I'm going to be a little con- concise. Uh, one quick observation. On the opposite side of the garage, where they are installing the shelves, mm-hmm. There are about uh let's see, one, two, six, six, one, two, three. What what what's six times six? Thirty-six? Yes. There I'm are about pretty 30, sure. 36 massive Tupperware containers <laughs> stacked on top of each other. Yes, that are that are that presumably are holding things. Presumably, but it looks ugly as sin. Yeah. Um like I don't know. Those things need to go in. So I'm not a fan of Tupperware. I'm gonna be. I'm just gonna put that out there. Like those big yeah. Tupperware storage containers that people put in their closets and shit. I'm not a fan. Yeah, I don't like them. Well, uh, that's. I, th- a, that's I don't a, think there is a. I don't think they're efficient. There's better I, ways to optimize your space. Look, that may be true. I do have like three of them in my closet right now. So watch your tongue. But uh, <laughs> at the, uh, look, my big question with that, like th- when I'm watching the episode, I'm like, oh wow, they've put all the stuff from the garage into the Tupperware containers up against the wall, and they go out back where all the stuff is, and I'm like, did these motherfuckers just put a bunch of empty Tupperwares up in there for the camera to make <laughs> it look like they did something? Yes. What did they do yes, they when did. they were shooting the Tool Time episode? <laughs> um. Also. This is my big question that I have to ask you. Yes. We we see Wilson holding on to all this stuff. It all has a story and sentimental value behind it, right? Okay. What do you think? Okay, the year is 2000, I want to say 17, maybe 18? Okay. Let's just okay. say Will, Let's just say Wilson's around, and he picks up a little book um, by Marie Kondo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. What do you think his reaction is? Uh. I think his first reaction is, hmm, hmm, yes, interesting, very interesting. Um, I think he wouldn't <laughs> throw out anything because Marie Kondo's whole deal is you should only throw out things that don't spark joy. And I think Wilson oh. would pick up every single... I think Wilson would engage very deeply with the book. He would go yes. and grab every single thing in his house and be like, uh, well, this this sparks joy. Uh, okay, I guess I'll keep this. Uh, oh, well, this is the this is the headdress from the Mahi Mahi tribe. Uh, well, uh, yes, this this sparks joy. Uh, and this is my uh, this is my parrot who lives in my tiki room. He sparks joy. And the parrot's like, ah, sparks joy. And he, he puts the parrot down. So I think that he would read Marie Kondo's book. He would internalize yep. everything she talks about, but he wouldn't get yep. rid of anything because he takes wouldn't so much joy anything. from everything he has. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I I kind of like, I think I take Wilson's uh, aesthetic like as my own. I, I, that is what I kind of cultivate even more since I've moved, uh, which you didn't get to see too much of out in L.A., but, you know, kind of with Tool Time Corner a little bit. Like, just kind of organized chaos. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I just, everything that I look at is, you know, there's really no rhyme or reason to it except that, like, there is in my own head and looking at every little tiny detail. And that's kind of how I design my my living space is, like, there's so much chaos going on that you can only be drawn to the details. Little mm-hmm. tiny, like on my desk right now, I'm looking at a Tommy Boy bobblehead sitting next to a glow in the dark uh, skeleton toy that's holding a ceramic cat that fell off of one of my bookmarks. <laughs> like, there's just a lot of shit going on, but because there's no rhyme or reason, I'm hyper focused on the individual details, and those individual details all have a joyful story attached to them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when nothing matches, everything matches. <laughs> sure, let's go with that. <laughs>
No, I mean that, but that's the, I feel like that's the logic behind it. Like you know, kind it, of, yeah. it, it, this stuff doesn't have to match one another. It has to have significance to you. And by the fact that none it's of all, it matches, it means it's all you know. It's all the, the autobiographical. One thing, yeah, that's what matches. Everything matches uh, a story from your life. Indeed. And so too do the things in Wilson's house. Wilson's house would be a show on A and E or History Channel. I would I would fucking watch it. I'm not gonna lie. It's like a museum. Uh, he has a tiki room. He does. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, more more museums should have tiki bars in them. I know that I jumped from tiki room <laughs> to tiki bar, but in this day and age, that's a pretty easy jump to make. Um. Okay. We get a uh. You know, outside with all the shit in his backyard, Tim's like, okay, next week we're gonna tell you how to have a yard sale. Um. Mm-hmm. And we get <laughs> a transition of a uh. A, brown box with 25 cents written on it that's picked up and wipes us out of frame to theme song corner truman i just texted you this week's detail that we're going <laughs> to yes. talk about in this week's theme song corner can you explain <laughs> what we're looking at what we are looking at is a um well it's it's a prison uh like like so many things uh it, it, in life uh it is uh uh, made of steel, covered in bolts. There is a window with bars on it uh, through which we can see Tim's very blurry face. A lot of pipes branching off of it in different directions, and what appears to be either a large conical horn or a rocket booster off of the left-hand side of it. Um, <laughs> this is what, what? Tim yeah, imprisons so- himself in in the course of the opening credits. We A few weeks ago, we talked about uh, the fact that he grows into a sunflower. Yes. Who could forget? Now, he grow- the Here's the progression of what happens, and I, I'm hesitant to go into all of it at once because there are other details that we can pull out of this for future episodes. But basically, you've got Tim Allen and his credit, you know, his title card there starring Tim Allen, and he's mm-hmm. got a remote control, and he's, you know, controlling his universe, and he hits a button, and it turns into a box, right? Mm-hmm. Like a this-side-up wooden crate. Yes. And traps him inside of it. Then it like does a, a, a Looney Tunes swirl around and turns into this metal box in which there's his face imprisoned, as you were just describing. Mm-hmm. And this kind of uh, <laughs> lament, what's, oh God almighty, why is my brain not working? The um, lament configuration. From Hellraiser is this guy. This puzzle box is yeah is yeah. swirling around, and this metal studded box turns into a watering can slash flower pot. Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and that's what Tim grows out of. So, well, okay. So I I want to just pull open the details of what the fuck this box is for one thing. Uh, you know, look the idea that. Like, the idea that Tim has a contraption that gets out of hand and traps him inside of it like a prison, okay, that's on brand, I can get that. The fact that that then turns into a flower pot and he grows out of it like a sunflower, that doesn't track with what we're seeing right here. That's that's my big issue (laughs) with it. But, well, so I'm trying to, like, just wrap my head around what this contraption is. Like, I I agree with you on a metaphorical level. Yes, of course, anything that he makes becomes a prison of his own making. You can even say that his his audacity to invent is the prison of his own making. Yeah. Or or his family is the prison. (laughs) This specific device is a studded box with wires kind of jingling all 
every direction. It almost looks like tracks. There's a couple funnels on it. Like there, it looks like there's an exhaust. <laughs> yeah, a horn on it. That that's for um, when he eats Polish food. Oh, there you go. There, that makes sense. <laughs> it was installed by Doug, Patty's <laughs> boyfriend. <laughs> There's there's kind of a hood ornament on the front of it too. I can't quite make it out. It looks like a baby trapped in carbonite. Wait wait wait, a baby trapped in carbonite. Where, where on the image is the baby uh, trapped? Uh, in? The opposite side of the the exhaust horn. Uh, I don't see. I like the opposite side from the exhaust horn. I'm not seeing a oh, baby. Oh, it's it's yeah. You know what? It's not actually in that part. Hadn't no no. It's in there. It it's yeah. No, it's in the the screenshot I sent you. So look on the right-hand side of the screen as the yeah. track kind of loops outward. Yeah. Oh, there, shit. Oh, I a, see it now. There's a creepy-looking baby or perhaps a boxing glove hanging down. I can't quite yeah, tell Yeah, yeah. I, I, get, I get it now. Yes, it looks like it's too, it's too a smaller sphere atop a larger sphere that does look, under the right circumstances, like a weird chromed-out uh, baby in carbonite. Folks, <laughs> This is a weird opening credits, and that's part of why we've decided to discuss it bit by bit over the course of this yeah. entire season, because there's so much to unpack. Um, I mean, look, I think it's, I, again, I, I just want to come back to, I, I think it really makes sense for Tim to be trapped inside a prison of his own design, and that is yes. so on brand for the show. I just, I guess I just kind of wish that the rest of the opening credits were Tim in the prison and his family trying to break him out. I feel like it is kind of a... It's a it's, show. Yeah, it's a different show, but also I feel like we are shortchanged as an audience not seeing Jill and the boys trying to break him out of this, but instead just, <laughs> oh, no, it just turns into a flower pot, and the way you escape is being watered by Jill. Do you think there's an entire village inside of that uh, inside of that box? Someone uh, saying, you are number six. I am not a number. <laughs> I am a free man. When when Tim when Tim grows into a flower and seems to have escaped, then a gigantic bouncing white ball comes out and absorbs him, and he he wakes up back in the prison box. Exactly, exactly. I I, I prefer to think that inside the prison box, uh, there's um just a bunch of dudes in orange jumpsuits, and they have very intense uh, dramatic storylines, like on the TV show Oz. <laughs> Oh, goodness gracious. Let's go to the next scene. Um, yes. We start let's. this episode not in the Taylor house, but at the gym. This is the second time we're seeing this location. Well, first for you, yeah. but also the second for you. <laughs> look, seeing this for me, like when I when I first watched it, uh, completely blew me away. Like, what? There's a gym? <laughs> Jill goes to the gym. I have so many notes in all caps. Like, why is she at the gym? What the fuck? How does she have time for this? I, uh, I also have a lot of notes in all caps for what it's worth. All of my but, notes are really all caps as a <laughs> member of the Caps family. Go on, please. Oh, I'm, I've, a joke Christ. I've probably made four or five times. Um, all right, here's what happens in this scene. Yes, here's what uh, happens. Jill, Jill's at the gym alone, uh, at least at the beginning of it, and she is uh, trying to adjust some weights on the weight machine that she's trying to use. There's a, a very handsome-looking dapper fella next to her, and uh, as she's adjusting the weights, her hand slips and punches him in the shin bone, and he says, Ew. ooh, ah, ee, ah, ow, ow, ow. Hey, I'm okay. Don't worry about it, dude. And Meanwhile, <clears throat> Tim shows up. Uh, she didn't know that he was also there, and Tim's going off on like, oh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm here. I thought I'd get some ball action in, I think he said. <laughs> hey <laughs> Um, before I go uh, pick up a radio for my hot rod from a man named Pee-wee. Um, meanwhile, Jill says, well, you know, Patty got us uh, opera tickets to see Carmen tonight. 
Uh, and uh, Tim just like, cool. I'm on my way out. Peace. Um, <clears throat> from this interaction between Tim and Jill, yes. the stranger danger comes over and says, hey, Jill, I love Carmen, the opera. I overheard you talking about it with your bro, your brother over there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he goes into being an opera fan. He, he heard Marilyn Horn at the Met the previous year uh he starts to sing apart from carmen jill is so captivated by this she begins their duet together it is something to behold uh everyone around them just stops what they're doing and applauds them when they they finish uh ian uh, as he introduces himself says hey jill la bohème is coming out next week would you like to come with me and maybe have dinner beforehand. <laughs> thank you for being my audience there. Yeah, thank you. This boy meets world <laughs> uh, audience goes, here. What, like a like a date? Are you asking me on a date? And he's like, yeah, I thought that dude over there, that goofy dude that you talked to was your brother. Uh, and she says, nope, I'm a married. I'm married. And uh, a lady comes over a moment later and, and says, you know what? She mistakes Ian and Jill as husband and wife and says, you know, I wish I wish my husband still had the passion in him. But it don't, so I don't even know what our marriage is no more. And walks and, off. And then tries to sell us some medication for our diabetes. And then goes to an Arctic <laughs> research station and tries to help us catch the thing. Because it's Wilford Brimley, apparently. Uh, that's the scene. Um, this feels like the, the, the thickest scene that we have in the, the episode. But um, it's, it, it is thick with two Cs. What are your, <laughs> what are your thoughts here? Uh... My first thought is that if I were at the gym, and again, we've established that's not a thing that's going to happen, no. but were I at the gym, and two people started singing opera in the middle of the space, when they stopped singing, my reaction would not be to clap. It would be to silently be like, oh, thank God those insufferable fucking people quit singing in the middle of the gym. <laughs> I just... I, I, I just, you know what, I, I've been on subway platforms where like some, no, I'm a 21-year-old student at the LA Art Academy and I'm going to be practicing my show tunes here on the on the platform. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck you with that. I don't like it. I would like it even less at a gym. I, I think there was one time I was really drunk on Hollywood and Vine leaving Lucky Strike and Ayo. was singing Technotronic on the corner <laughs> while waiting for a taxi. Okay, uh, Hollywood and Ho Hollywood and Vine though Hollywood and Highland wherever that that is a everyone is so crazy and nuts around there that is like the one place that it's okay like you could honestly have been taking a leak on the side of the building and it would have been normal behavior for that I, area I may have done that as well <laughs> well, well that's fine you didn't do it in the middle of a gym um, I did approach a it was for my buddy's birthday and I did approach a group of ladies at the lane next to us while my buddy was in the bathroom and said hey when my butt this is me really really drunk hey <laughs> when my one single guy it was just the two of us there nice. and I approached a group of four or five girls just having a time all of themselves me going hey it's my buddy's birthday and when it comes out it'd be great if I had some f friends to sing happy birthday. Would you sing happy birthday with them for me? 
and and they did right that totally worked they must have found that charming. Uh, sp- speaking of, of singing in public um no 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 they said yes very kindly and then they didn't do it and then uh it never happened and then i got drunker and thus the technotronic happened on the corner okay so alcohol solves all problems i think that's uh <laughs> i mean gr- grunt work approved rubber stamp um uh, yeah, so that that's my that's my first takeaway. Um, I also <laughs> what's, your, what's your second takeaway? My fa- second takeaway is when Jill says that she and Patty are going to go see Carmen, and Tim says yeah. he'd rather go see Carman. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty good. Like I don't. That was a good joke. I like you that. know that, that that is then immediately followed up by her talking about an upcoming family reunion and Tim complaining about it. Not as great, <laughs> but whatever. So. Uh... I don't know about this. I, you know, we're talking about psychology, you know, mm-hmm. a lot lately. Jill's doing all this stuff. Um, yeah. When she's undoing the weights. Now, I get there's a certain amount of blocking and like, how do you fake something like this? Uh, but it really, I'm not going to lie. It looks like she did that on Poipus. I'm mm-hmm. not going to lie. Hit him, hit him mm-hmm. in the shin. Like, yeah. I, I think she saw him, was attracted to him. Did that thing just to have like a oh, what wouldn't it be fun if we had a little flirtatious moment and nothing more? Uh, but then did it. And maybe taking herself by surprise and then found herself a little in over her head. Yeah. I mean, I look, I think that's, I, I like that idea that Jill almost subconsciously wanted to just find an excuse to talk to this guy and then, and then bit <laughs> off more than she could chew. Yes. Then, then it got rewarded with an existential crisis, basically. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the story of my life. Uh, I do have one note here that's in yeah. all caps. Uh, when, he says, maybe, uh, maybe you know, we can have a little dinner beforehand. Uh, and she goes, are you asking me on a date? My note is just, do it, 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 do it. <laughs> I mean, this dude, Ian, he's kind of hot. Let's not, like, dude's got some guns. I mean, he's in this, like, shirtless, uh, not shirtless, sleeveless shirt. Like, he's <laughs> Not a- yet. <laughs> Not yeah, I mean, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna get there. If that dream had gone on a little longer, uh, spoiler alert. Uh, well, yeah. Does that bring us to our most important part of the scene? Character it, actor corner. I I was kind of hoping to get there because this guy looked really familiar to me, and which is I, not common. No, it's <laughs> not common. I ask you all the time, and most people don't look common to you. No, they they don't. don't look familiar because I, I have pretty bad face blindness. For some <laughs> reason. Like looking at this guy, I just kept thinking Die Hard, and I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know if no, he was in it, but he he wasn't. But he looks like he would be one of the hostages in Die Hard, if you know what I mean. Like he has a kind of just <laughs> yes. handsome '80s look, like he would be at the Nakatomi Christmas party. Well, there's a reason for that. Maybe not Nakatomi, and certainly not the like uh, uh, white collar. Um, actors. He's definitely uh, a blue collar character actor. Corner or character actor. Is, is this Jeff Foxworthy? This is Jeff Foxworthy. You might you might be a character actor. Wait. Corner. <laughs> wait, wait. Was I actually right, or or are you no. just humoring me for the joke? Oh, okay, both <laughs> Jeff Foxworthy shows up on Home Improvement. Oh my god, this is Tom Wopat. I hope I'm pronouncing that. It might be Wopat. Wopat. Uh. He has 51 credits, but, you know, there's only one that matters. And that's Luke Duke in the Dukes of Hazard. Oh, okay. <laughs> I love... He's one of them Duke boys. I love... Outsmarting out Boss Hog. 
I love that that's who Jill has has a crush on is one of the Duke boys. <laughs> he ju- he jumped his Confederate guy. flag car right into her heart. Yeah, he is a good looking guy. Now here's the thing. Uh, so Duke's a hazard ran from 1979 to 1985. Uh, yeah, was very he briefly starred in the Dukes. As Luke Duke, only seven episodes spinoff uh, that they decided to bring Dukes of Hazard back afterward. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did the Dukes of Hazard reunion. He did some other TV shows, you know, little bit parts here on Murder She Wrote, and um, but after uh, after Dukes of Hazard was over, he kind of went into a drought. It mm. ended in '85. He has a credit in '87. There's one in '88, but then the next one's not till '92. It's kind of just appearing in a, a few things here and there. He did a murder she wrote in '96. Then he does Home Improvement in 1997. Yeah, his career. He has not stopped working since then. <laughs> what this this episode? I mean, like not to like it he does a great job but he's in like two scenes in this and this is what like <laughs> was the shot of adrenaline to the heart of his career i don't know it probably is just a parallel to what was going on in his own life you know maybe he had a kid or something or yeah. uh, rehab who knows what what people go through but um <laughs> one or the other <laughs> just there's just those two options <laughs> there are two there are two life paths either you have a kid or you go to rehab <laughs> there are two wolves inside you um, but he, he has taken off, uh, starring in Jonah Hex. He did a, a little cameo <laughs> in hits. Django Unchained. Oh. Uh, he was on Sybil's show, Sybil. Um, recently on The Blacklist. Really oh, with, importantly, though. Yeah. He starred later in life with Patricia Richardson <gasps> in Country Line. Okay, but not, not undue influence, though. <laughs> Not, not an undue influence, which is before this episode, sir. Do you remember how history works? No, I, no, I honestly don't. After watching that movie, which seemed to <laughs> last the entirety of history, 2017, he starred with Patricia Richardson, and he will star with her again next year in Country Line: No Fear, the sequel. Oh my God, he's really, uh, he's really okay. So, the, so like Home Improvement has really reinvigorated this guy's career. Maybe that, maybe honestly, it was meeting <laughs> power player Patricia Richardson that that is. I think kind I of think that's it. it. Juiced his career since then. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it with you? It. I mean, yeah. Honestly, I mean, look, Patricia Richardson tweeting at us like two months ago energized my life. <laughs> meeting her face to face would only. I mean, I would probably. I don't know, become a billionaire after that. Um, <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, I mean, look, I think I think this guy rules. Uh, do I think yeah. he was on ER? Oh, yeah. Do you? No. It's a good guess. And you are correct. Whew. Sorry, I, I had closed his uh, uh, dossier before. Uh, before his dossier? Answer. You just got all these manila envelopes with yeah. character actors in your house. <laughs> Classified. Yep. It's in that camo green. You have to you have to unlock the each one is like got like a journal's lock on it. You've got different yep. keys for each one. <laughs> after, after each episode I go through with a Sharpie and just do a bunch of redacted information. And then you burn them after that. So the redacting <laughs> seems like a thoroughly uh, redundant process, but yeah, look, that's operational security, folks. <laughs> uh just until, you know, we're living in a world where Doctor Strange can reverse time. So, you know, if he can make an apple come back, he can make dossiers come back. That, that's true. That's absolutely true. I guess that happened in the new Spider-Man trailer. I uh I'm assuming. <laughs> 
we get uh, an opera glass transitioning us back home. Uh, the boys are coming in in their only appearance in this episode with the boys some are toys back. from Wilson. Yep. Uh, yeah, Mark has a stuffed boar. Brad is in a helmet <laughs> carrying a spear, which might be Renaissance fair gear from last episode, now that I'm oh, looking yeah. at it with fresh eyes. <laughs> also, Mark said... I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I'm forgetting how we did it. Take us through, through it, and then, I'll, and then I'll read out the lines that I liked. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the three boys come in, uh, Brad in a knight helm and a jousting spear, uh, Mark with a stuffed boar. Uh, Randy with some nose flutes, hold your applause. Uh, <laughs> then, uh, as they disperse, Tim comes down uh, and asks Jill, um, "Where, where do you go to dinner? Wh- what's a good place?" And she goes, "Oh, well, I like so and so." And he goes, "Great, I'm gonna schedule a reservation to take Pee Wee there." Um, Jill decides. This might be worth mentioning, Tim. Um, I had a thing with that guy uh, at the the <laughs> from the place the, from the place that was next to me. You remember him? And Tim just kind of shrugs this off. Um, Jill says, "Well, I don't know. I feel like we're out of tune. We're drifting apart." Uh, Tim goes, "No, that's we're just we're in a comfortable part of our relationship. You know, it's like a an old pair of shoes. You know, where we're just we're broken in, we're stretched out. None of this is helping his case uh, or Jill's passion for him. Um, and that's basically the scene. Uh, so I, I just uh, again, this is a good Tim episode. We have good Tim mm-hmm. on call in this episode. I first off, yes, I just I love that we never see Pee Wee. Like that Tim is on this endless. <laughs> quest to get things from peewee and oh, okay we, we also yeah, didn't but, see the halloween guy for a long time true true no i mean but we had a uh, we had a lot more show when they first started talking about the halloween guy before we eventually saw the halloween guy like we're down to like a season and a half left of this thing is that enough runway to get peewee finally um <laughs> possibly but i i like that he's constantly got this business of getting the runaround from this guy and being upset about it i think that that's funny uh, but moreover i like that when Jill tells Tim about yeah, this guy Ian, you know, he hit on me, and and that that Tim has zero like territorial like he's not angry, he's not threatened, he just kind of laughs it off, like it does. Yeah, you know, he's he, he's secure in his relationship, and that furthermore, when Jill starts expressing her concerns, like, well, he he saw us together, and he thought that that you were my brother, and Tim goes. So this guy heard us talking at the Y for like five minutes, and we we're worried about what he thinks, and it's like. Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to dismiss Jill's concerns, which are well-founded, <laughs> but I think Tim's yes. response to this is both realistic and also pretty just well-reasoned. It's like, yeah, a guy hit on my wife. She's super beautiful. Like, I don't particularly <laughs> mind that dudes are flirting with her. Wh- whatever. Who cares? It's I don't know. It's just, like, it's good to see Tim, like... I feel like there's a school of masculinity that says that a dude has to get really bent out of shape about that and be all right. angry and want to beat the shit out of this guy, and, and that Tim isn't really that bothered by it, I think is just kind of kind of refreshing and, and nice and yeah. the sort of thing I'd like to see more of. No, it's it's absolutely the like flip side of that toxic masculinity that we've seen. There's just a sort of like comfort in, you know, like we we've seen the other episode of that, right? Like the the flip side of that is is season one where Jill's professor's coming over to help her with her resume. And yeah. Tim thinks he's going to be hitting on her granted he does but you know like tim is jealous through that whole thing uh yeah 
here, it's the exact opposite of that. He's got security in his masculinity that he doesn't feel threatened by, you know, an attractive guy talking to her. Yeah, um, yeah. And and the fact that it's, you know, I feel like earlier seasons of this would have made it out to be like, oh, you know, Jill's aging and, you know, she's worried about not looking attractive or pretty anymore. And we don't touch any of that shit, which no. is fantastic. Yeah, but maybe we don't touch it because Jill looks great in this episode as she does in every episode. <laughs> that she does. Uh, I, I had one note, even though yeah. he's not in this scene, um, is Tom Wopat, uh, he introduces himself as Ian in the, the previous scene. Um, <laughs> the only thing I, after that for the rest of the episode I kept thinking was just... What fucking Ian guy? <laughs> I watched... Like, okay, we've been talking about high fidelity a lot on this show recently. And in yes. fact, I was watching the Ian scene on YouTube <laughs> earlier today. <laughs> what is it about the name Ian that makes you just naturally be skeeving on some other dude's lady? I don't know how that works. No, <laughs> I don't know. Um, um, but that was funny. I don't know. That's, that's my only note from that scene. So... When the boys come in, Mark is carrying the stuffed boar, and he says oh, to, yes. to Tim and Jill, oh, he gave, Wilson gave us his boar. And then Randy goes, yeah, we tried to give him our boar, too, but Mark wouldn't stay. <laughs> it's a good, I, that was me trying to snap by the microphone. I'm not great at it. Uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, there you go. Landon's got it. <laughs> um, great line. Great bit. I, don't, I mean, I don't love Mark being the whipping boy, but also that's a funny yeah. bit. Also, how quickly... Like, oh, oh, a couple weeks ago, he was, like, chopping your heads off in a movie, and now you're just right back to <laughs> shitting all over him. Zero memory on these boys. It's It shows how much they've accepted him. I guess that's true. I, yeah, they, they've they they've accepted him, and now it's immediately back to the status quo. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, uh, we need to talk about the nose flutes. <sighs> yes, yes, let's talk about the nose flutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it, just like a night to dismembered. I don't know how they got through the scene where Randy Randy's excited because Wilson gave him his nose flutes uh, from yeah. some some place, yeah. uh, and he's like a foot from Jill's face and just puts this flute up to his nose and blow <laughs> blows through it, and you can tell neither of them could get through it. Uh, I, I was shocked that there weren't outtakes of that at the end of this episode, but um, it, it's they they were professionals getting through that. Do Do you think that 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 Patricia Richardson and Jonathan Taylor Thomas spent all night together with him, just like okay, let's I'm just gonna blow through this nose flute a million times until it's not yeah. funny to either of us anymore. I don't know how else you do it. <laughs> I, the The note that I have written down here is Bravo of Gazoon tight. Is that is that what she like? Is that me typing it wrong, or is that something that they say about it afterwards? Like, she, she says, "Bravo and Gazuntite." Oh, bravo and Gazuntite. Okay, I, I wrote, I wrote, I, I wrote stupidly a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I love, I love the nose flutes. I, I, I'm sad that the boys aren't more in this episode because I feel like there's a lot of, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of good shit to do with them just getting giveaways from Wilson's house. At the same time, yeah, boys' stuff would undercut. I th I think a really solid uh, relationship plot between Tim and Jill, which honestly we we <laughs> need more at this point. Yeah, agreed. Um, so we get a foot stomping transition to yes. the gym 
uh, the next day, yes. or presumably sometime in the future, or or, or the and next night. <laughs> Jill is on the stepper machine mm-hmm. uh, when Ian comes in to apologize uh, for hitting on her and says, "Oh man, you know what? I, you're just so good looking. Uh, I couldn't help myself. Uh, I'm a widower of four girls, and what? it's been hard to find someone I I am attracted to." And so I just wanted to apologize. <laughs> and with every word he's saying, Jill's like, humana, 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 humana. <laughs> She's banging a, a frying pan on her head. Her <laughs> eyes are popping out of her house. Her tongue is rolling out. Because <laughs> he's like, I'm a widower. Uh, and she goes, oh, I'm so sorry. And he's like, yeah, but it's been <laughs> been uh, able to spend more time with my four girls. And she's like, four girls? <laughs> uh, he's like, yep, I'm probably the only guy on the block who can French braid, hem address, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the only thing I can't hearts. do is find someone to go out with me. She's uh, she's flustered and says, "Yeah, you know, well, I, you know, unfortunately, I'm I'm married. I mean, did I say unfortunately? I mean, I didn't mean to say that. Uh, I would have said yes, but you know, I'm I'm uh, uh, I'm married. And uh, then you know, the lights go out and everyone Ooh. exits except for Jill and Ian from this uh, from this." gym that they're in which <laughs> looks like a hotel lobby let's be honest it's a really dinky gym it probably was a hotel lobby at some point on this show <laughs> there, there were those, uh, those japanese businessmen were doing karaoke in here a couple seasons ago <laughs> there's some cajun hot fries around the corner um <laughs> my idea well actually there's some cajun hot fries about to be made in this gym because yeah. uh as as the lights dim down and it's just the two of them they get closer and they're like, well, I guess we should go. Yep. Well, we're both still here, though. And they they and, kiss. Oh, they have yeah. They kiss. Oh, they kiss. <laughs> they, they do some smooching. Listen, I already was bringing nervous energy to this. I, I, I was concerned for my heart rate <laughs> when this happened. <laughs> I saw that, and then I thought, what? <laughs> what is happening? It, it was, uh, I got duped. I got duped by the <sighs> oldest trick in the book. It was all a dream. <laughs> you used to read Jill Kiss magazine. Uh, yeah. She wakes up in bed next to Tim, and uh, she she had herself a dream. She turns the light on, can't sleep. Um, they talk a little bit uh, before we fade out of the scene. Before we fade back, though, tell me what you think about what's happened so far. Well, the first thing I think is that I love that we're both equally dumb because, like, my I'm I'm just reading I'm reading my notes here, and it's like, what what's with Jill's like super like Jill's at the gym? Why is her hair look so nice? Why is her workout gear so stylish? Like, what's going on? And then, and then, you know, Ian, you know, Ian asks if she's attracted to him too. YMCA is closing. They have to leave. Jill doesn't want to get locked in, locked in all night. And then just all caps. They kiss. WTF? Holy shit! Awuga. Followed by oh, it's a dream. Like I was. So so we got Christopher Nolan. Ex- we were, I mean, we were both so excited for this, for like this to be part of Jill and Tim's storyline that she Frenches yeah. a sexy widower at the gym, and <laughs> it was not to be. Um, here's my first note. Uh, yeah. Dude's got dude's a single dad with four daughters. He's basically a last man standing. I mean, I mean, it's well, pretty close. Mike Baxter wasn't a single father. I know he's not a single father, but it's him and his wife and three daughters. Total of four women. Yeah. So it still counts yeah. as a last man standing. Okay. I, no, I'm fair. sorry. Okay. That's, okay. No, I, I, well, I, I give it this, to you on a math technicality. No, no, no. This ruling came down from Tim Allen Court, sir. It's been <laughs> yeah, it's been adjudicated in a in the in the court of Allen. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. 
So I, I might I might file an appeal later, but uh, we'll let it go for now, <laughs> D- dude. Okay, well the Supreme Tim Allen Court has been stacked in your favor, so uh, you'll probably get a favorable <laughs> ruling there. But we'll fight it out all the way through the appellate great. courts. Um, there is a great bit of blocking where J- so Jill is on the elliptical, uh, you know, trainer, the stair step machine, whatever, doing her stair stepping as Ian is there talking to her about all these things, like oh, I'm a widower and I cook and I sew and I you know I have all these daughters, whatever. And he says, <laughs> whatever. it's, it's been, a, yeah, whatever. It's cool. S- hey, hey, SFW. <laughs> am I right, guys? You've seen that movie. Uh, but he, when he tells her, it's been a long time since I've been attracted to somebody. Jill is so kind of stunned and taken aback by this that she stops walking and kind of just like the elliptical machine just lowers her down and then she stumbles backwards off of it. And it's a really <laughs> elegant piece of blocking yeah. Reminiscent of last week with uh, with quirky Einstein, um, I don't know. I, I I liked it. I liked it so much. I I like I like that little bit that just was some yeah, planning was good, and yeah. I don't know. It's good. It's a good, good piece it's good of bit. physical comedy for sure. Which yeah, you know, I, we've seen hints of on the show in the past that Patricia Richardson is so good at. Uh, but I want to see more more opportunities for it. Yes. Um, uh, here, yeah, what do you got? My yeah. yeah, my main note is. This was a dream. None of this happened. I mean, the previous scene happened. Yeah. But this, are we to believe that none of what we just watched transpired in real life? I think so. So does that call into question whether he's actually a widower with four yeah. daughters? Or or is that just Jill's subconscious putting on him what she's always wanted? She <laughs> She's always wanted a beefcake, and she's always wanted four daughters instead of four boys. Yeah. It, it, I'm including okay. Tim in that. Yeah, see, yeah. So that lends credence to my theory that last that any last man standing is just you know four four X chromosomes. Okay, I, I'm I'm quitting the prosecution and I am joining the defense team. Oh wow, this is this is highly irregular, Your Honor. Objection sustained. <laughs> um, By the end of this, we're gonna have undue influence. Oh God. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, so but if that's what Jill wants, then that suggests that her dream scenario is one where Tim is out of the picture. She mm-hmm. starts dating a widower with four daughters, mm-hmm. and then her three sons just come and join the family. What kind of Brady Bunch whoa, shit whoa, whoa, is that? Whoa, 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 whoa! You're putting you're putting elements into Jill's dreams that aren't there. There's nothing <laughs> in that dream about boys. She she doesn't she does not acknowledge that she has children of her own. <laughs> she's gonna yeet those boys straight to the orphanage and go <laughs> go off and live with Ian and his four daughters. <laughs> Precisely. So uh, the only other note I have is once she wakes up from this dream and she's turned on the light and you know kind of Tim rolls she's, over and is like, yeah, oh, she's you had a bad on. dream. <laughs> What's that? I, you're saying she, you were saying she's turned on. I was like, yeah. And then you said the light, and I was like, oh, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, go on. Yeah, right. Uh, Tim's like, did you have a, did you have a bad dream? And she's like, not exactly. <laughs> um, she, uh, she's reading a book. Mm-hmm. And you know to try to fall back asleep, and I just found this interesting. We've talked about opera on the show in the past. It's been a while. It's yeah, been a while. It's been a hot but we've minute. talked about it in the past. What's the what's the one opera <laughs> that they always go to? Madame Butterfly, Madame Bovary, oh, Madame Butterfly. Well, uh, she's I... reading. She's reading Madame Bovary. <laughs> I yeah, I thought. Well, okay, like or Madame Butterfly. Maybe I just. Maybe I got Butterfly and Bovary mixed up. They always were going to Madame Bovary, I feel like. Maybe I just <laughs> yeah. said Madame Butterfly. Is that a different opera, or am I just... 
Did I conflate that no, with you're something just, else? <laughs> you just find butterflies really classy. Yeah, I do. I do. I would watch a butterfly <laughs> sing for three hours. Why not? It, it you know it used to be a caterpillar, then turned into this. It's yeah. probably got a cool story to sing about. <laughs> They're part of the fucking monarch, for Christ's sake. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she's so she loves Madame Bovary so much that even having seen the opera multiple times, she's like, I gotta read it again. It's just it's just better on the page. <laughs> yeah. So. She, Tim gives her some advice uh, to get back to sleep. He's like, just, you know, close your eyes and, and picture uh, something that your heart really desires. And um, she goes, oh, did you see my dream? And um, and this this very horny studio audience, not as wild as last week, but they all go, not quite. <laughs> we get a dream bubble that takes us to... Um, it's breakfast the next day. Jill yeah. and Patty. Oh, there. Okay, about got it. it. Yes. I can I can take Sorry. us through this one if you're if you're take notes us through. Are... It. I just got lost in my notes for a second. Go ahead. Uh, so the next morning at breakfast, Jill's friend Patty is there, and uh, she's telling Patty about the dream. Patty is very into this dream. She thinks it's incredibly hot. Jill <laughs> is uh, freaked out and upset by it. Patty isn't. Jill is concerned that um, because the fireworks seem to have gone out of her and Tim's relationship, that this might portend greater troubles for the two of them in their marriage. Uh, and yeah, you know, uh, you know, uh, fireworks burn out. Comfortable lasts forever. Patty says, "What's wrong with that?" And Jill says, "Everything." And that's the end of our <laughs> short little scene. Uh, I love Patty. I love her yes. so much. Yes, I I think she's the perfect blend of Karen and Marie. Yes. Um, it took it took Jill it. many friends to finally get down to the <laughs> down down to the perfect form. Uh, I think she brings a great energy to help balance Jill. Um, not not that Jill needs balancing, but like it's it doesn't just feel like a catty girlfriend. It, she brings a lot of depth to the character. Mm-hmm. Um, though I have to ask. Yes. Uh, I well, I don't want to make this a gendered question because you know I, I, neither of us could answer it. But yeah. uh, has anyone ever gotten hot listening to somebody else's sex dream? <laughs> I'm glad that we're I'm glad that we're like settling on on the same kind of issues from this. I could see <laughs> I could see somebody getting hot from someone else's sex dream. I could see that happening. But when the mm. entire content of the dream is, and then we kissed and I woke up, it's like, well, oh, oh okay. I guess, I guess it's, it's how good is that storyteller? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, what, what's the journey that you take to getting to that kiss? I mean, if you're, if you're you know, uh, merchant in ivory, <laughs> you're, you're taking us through some sort of long, you know, uh, Scorsese-esque Age of Innocence story, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe the but, kiss is the big payoff. It's an allegory for sex. Yeah, yeah. But if it is just a general kiss, yeah, it, it, you know, if, if if you're just if you're just John Grisham and it's like, and then they kissed. <laughs> yeah, it's. I don't know. I mean, I guess that suggests that maybe Patty's love life isn't as exciting or passionate as as maybe uh, she hopes that it is. Oh. You think I, her and Doug are in a drought? I mean, maybe if Doug is even still in the picture, I, maybe maybe she's learned he was. enough we, about. Well, we saw him two episodes ago. Yeah, a lot can change in two episodes, episodes, bro. I mean, she 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 seems to keep being disappointed by Doug when she sees him interacting with Tim. So maybe she's cut him <laughs> loose finally. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know. Like, like her, her, ex- like Jill says, we fall into each other's arms and kiss, and Patty goes, "Oh wow, that is so hot." And it's like, but <laughs> I mean, 
<laughs> I mean, it's look, it's certainly intriguing and thought provoking. Like, oh wow, you had a dream about kissing this guy at the gym. That's interesting. What you, like, that's certainly good <laughs> gossip. But like, to be viscerally excited by that much, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, but maybe this also us as men looking at it differently. Like maybe maybe they're looking at it like, oh, there's passion and emotionality to it, and and like I don't know. Maybe as dudes, we're too warped by I don't know. Yeah, I testosterone. Don't even, like I said, I don't even know if it's gendered. I just am so passionless in my <laughs> own life at the moment that like the thought I would just get angry at somebody telling me they had a sex dream. I haven't even had a sex dream in years, so I, like I would just be like, get the fuck out of my house. Why yeah, are you telling me this right now? Don't I got yeah, my someone, own problems. <laughs> someone barges into your house like, hey, I had a dream about fucking last night. You want to hear about it? No, I don't. Do you want to hear about my struggles watching the same porn video 800 times? Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you know, get, get up to a thousand. Maybe it'll start showing up in dreams. I think that, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think, uh, yeah, I, I maybe it's just a thing that only sitcom characters do is talking about talking about horny dreams that they had with one another. Because I, I don't feel like, I've never had a conversation with any of my friends where they're telling me about a sex dream and we're all hanging on every word um, no no there there well and maybe there's something to be said about that maybe we need to unpack that as a society a little bit like the discomfort of talking about sex between guys and i mean okay i realize this is a bag of worms that nobody needs and probably society is better off for it that men don't get aroused by other men's stories considering how aroused they get by every fucking thing in the world and how little control they have over that. But, you know, like, I think back. There was a time. I'm going to go into a little story here. Oh. <laughs> Landon's story corner. Well, if this involves you kissing someone, I'm, I might find it very hot, so be careful. We were on a family vacation with two other family friends, and mm. I'm an only child. Both Woo. families that we were with had two sons, so there were five boys. Ugh. And you know, three sets of parents. I don't, you know, I can't remember exactly where this was. I want to say this was Toronto, but maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It could have been Chicago. Yeah. Uh, was Practically maybe, the same city. <laughs> maybe 12 or so years old. Maybe, maybe 13. Around, let's say 11 to 13. I know that's a big gap there, but anyway. Okay. Big range of, of locations and ages, but, but yeah. <laughs> the thing was, the parents are like, we're on vacation, we want to do adult shit, so here's a uh, thing. Kids, go to one of our bedrooms and you can rent uh, a movie on the TV. Oh, dear. <laughs> no, oh, it wasn't dear. a porn movie, Oh, okay. but it it was Time Cop, and oh. I don't know how familiar <laughs> with Time Cop you are. <laughs> oh, you can tell by my laughing and tone of voice that I'm quite familiar with the film Time Cop, sir. <laughs> you, do you know what scene I'm talking about? <laughs> I'm assuming the one where Ferris Bueller's girlfriend is nude. Uh, is that the one you mean? <laughs> <laughs> so that comes on, and it's like clear every guy in the room is affected by it. <laughs> oh, God. That's... Oh, that's but none of us acknowledge it, and it's just like uh, this awkward shame that we all have to sit with for uh, the you know tense thirty seconds that it's on screen. Um, so that's how guys <laughs> kind of like, interact with this sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's we're, just we're so awkward. uncomfortable with it that by the time we get older, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna include myself or you in this streaming, but the time that some guys get older. 
they don't know how to handle it, so they turn it into a joke, and it becomes this aggressive thing that kind of defines toxic malehood when it comes to discussing women. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, look at that. Ooh, ooh. You know, kind of, I guess, like in the same way I was laughing raunchily about the even mention of that scene. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you were laughing in commiseration. It's very I, I, I'm I'm laughing in commiseration because I, t- I, cannot, I cannot put a finger to a specific, like, what specific movie that's been. But I've been in situations <laughs> where it was like me around that age watching a movie with other dudes. Nudity comes on and none of us know how to react or what to say or how to interact with each other or how to look at one another or what to do with it. And it's, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I guess, yeah, I, I guess if dudes can't even handle a a kind of sexy movie, they probably can't handle a, a dude bearing his soul about a sexually charged dream he had. That's just not not yeah. on our, not within our capacity. Just a just a look behind the masculine curtain there. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's close that curtain again, folks. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> let's go to well, speaking of which, let's go to the bedroom. Hey. We get a scene slide transition to the bedroom. Jill's reading in bed when Tim comes in. Uh, he is bummed. He didn't get that damn pee, uh, radio from Pee Wee. Mm-hmm. Um, Jill said, well, you know, I rented a video. I thought we could kind of rekindle some stuff. And It's time to like, oh, God, what'd you get? What do you know? Um, singing in the rain. I don't remember what he said there. But uh, she goes, no, I got uh, I got your favorite, Spartacus. Uh, w- yeah, earmark I, that yeah 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 <laughs> huge dog ear for this one uh tim starts to see through this and he's like what's going on here why don't we why don't we have a little talk here and they start to talk about like the state of their relationship and how she thinks that it's kind of like petered out the passions petered out a little bit and uh he's like okay well what 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 do you? What would you want to change? Or, or I, I think she asks that. What, what would you? If you could change one thing about a relationship, what would it be? Mm-hmm. And Tim, okay, I, I'm going to hold my commentary. He he basically says, uh, I, I would say sex life, our sex life. And she goes, well, you know, it's hard for her when she doesn't feel close to him. And he says, it's hard for me when uh, to feel close when we haven't had sex. Um, and he says, you know what? That restaurant that I have reservations for, I'm not going to take Pee Wee there. I'm going to take you there. We're going to have a good time. We're going to talk. Um, you know, she's like, I, I wish we would talk more. I wish, you know, we would be held. And thus begins a series of dissolves, uh, as they, they talk through the night on their bed. And yeah. this is a five minute scene of a 22 minute episode of a looking, sitcom. Five looking. minutes of just basking in the, the delight of their marriage. I, I, looking at my notes, I was like, did they really dedicate the, so much of the episode to just two people sitting in a room talking about their relationship, and they, they did not just any sitcom. This sitcom, they the, did. This yes, they sitcom. did very much so. Yes, I, I shocking, and and I applaud <laughs> this bravery. Um, but I mean, I think the most important thing from this scene to talk about yep. is that. Tim's favorite movie was directed by Stanley Kubrick. What the fuck are we talking? What? This isn't the first time they they brought Spartacus up on the show. I don't remember yeah. they a while but, ago we caught a glimpse of the screen. It looked like some just general gladiator movie that was on, but they did call it Spartacus. Um, I I believe it. There there's something about Spartacus, even though it's so clearly <laughs> about something specific, but. 
it seems to be interpreted by a conservative crowd. Like, I told you. I, oh, God. Can I tell my favorite movie-going story of all time again? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, the, the, the chef's kisses? Just yes, yes. Tell it again. Me it. and one other guy who were sitting in the lobby beforehand, and he was wearing a Trump sticker. Yeah. <laughs> we go into the movie, and he gives it 10 chef's kisses in the air when it's over. It, Just and the now, two of us. Yeah, you were the only two people in the theater. When the movie ends, the credits are rolling. He did he stand up to do the chef's kiss? Yes, he was. He was sitting. Okay, so you know how most theaters have like three rows really close to the screen. Then yep, there's yep, that yep. aisle, and then the stadium seating behind it. Yeah, he was sitting in those first three rows. Like he had to be so absorbed by this movie. <laughs> I want to see nothing but Kirk Douglas's massive face. <laughs> um. It it was yeah. So all of that to say, I, I I would believe that Tim Taylor loves Spartacus. That doesn't surprise me. Okay, okay. I I mean, it's just it just seems like a brainier, more highbrow movie than you would oh, think is. that that the dude who is obsessed with the tool making or like the the tutorial videos of of whatever Hitchcock or the movie Bayonet uh, Hell. Yeah, right. A movie written by Dalton Trumbo, a famously blacklisted screenwriter who <laughs> then writes a massive scene about uh, persecution and someone trying to find and point out Spartacus and an entire industry of people standing up saying that they are Spartacus to hide his identity so he doesn't get killed? Come on! <laughs> How much more left can you get than that? I I do want to I do want to quickly point out we were talking about Sopranos in our uh, in our uh, Gruntwork Nights episode. There is a character on one season of Sopranos who is absolutely obsessed with the movie Gladiator and quotes Gladiator all the time. <laughs> and and one of the Are other mod guys, uh, yeah, exactly. No, he legit is doing like father to a murdered son, and uh, you know at a party while drunk, <laughs> swinging the thing around. The point, one of the other mob guys is like, oh, you got to see Spartacus. Spartacus is great. And he recommends it really highly. And there is a scene of this guy played by uh, Joe Pantoliano the, is is sitting mm-hmm. there watching Spartacus. And he is just he just is hating it. And he's roasting the movie. And he's pointing at it and saying like, Kirk, look at that haircut. They didn't have haircuts like that back in 52 AD. This is bullshit. So there's at least one example of a <laughs> macho dude bro in media not loving Spartacus. He did not there give it go. any chef's kisses. Uh, you know, I didn't either the first time I saw it, but uh, it's grown on me, and then watching it in the theater that time, I was just like, yeah, you know what, dude? I'm not going to stand up and give chef kisses right now, because, you know, uh, it's just the two of us here. Weird but... vibe if both of you were doing it. That would be that would be a pretty hot dream. <laughs> if you, if you uh, and the four dudes watching Time Cop all started just doing chef's kisses independent of one another... <laughs> During that scene, that that's how men should respond to nudity in movies. Not just, like hooting and hollering, just Mwah, chef's kiss. I didn't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> that, and listen, given some of the available options, that is the best thing you could do with your hands. Um, Sh- okay. Should we talk I, about I wanna... the emotional impact of this scene? Yes, I was just going to say. Spartacus and nudity? Because we, this is something that we have both w- have wanted for so long. Yes. And I'm so glad to see it happen. Yes. The, the, like, they start to talk, and it dissolves, and it's a little bit later. They've you know changed their clothes a little bit. Tim, at one point, is in a tank top and boxer shorts. I'm wondering if they bone down in the middle of this. I, like, I'll give not... you a little bit of talk if you give me a little bit of sex, and we'll just keep going back and forth all night. I, I I like and I I think that it's just implying that it just because there's another scene where they've got a tray of snacks up there. I think it's just that like they're they're this conversation is so all encompassing. They've just been going about their night. Are you are you suggesting those aren't sex snacks? 
I am suggesting that because it looks like like pretzels and dip, which are not. I again, I don't know. I don't want to kink shame anybody, but that doesn't seem like like the situation. I, I I mean, you don't need the pretzels because the skin is salty enough to go with the dip. You just you you, you put some of that French onion dip on, on the stomach. I, I, Landon, you know this episode is horny enough on its own. The podcast doesn't need to match it in this fucking Fifty Shades of of, just, of grunt work situation. You got a little onion and chive dip. You dip a toe in there. Oh, God, dude. Uh, and now, oh, now it's getting into foot stuff. So, uh, but before, as they as they're getting into their conversation, Truman desperately bringing it into the PG thirteen uh, a church picnic uh, territory. The 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 youth counselor tugging at his collar and trying to get the kids to to stop asking questions. Um, when you know Jill has got this, she's got Spartacus, and she's saying, "Oh, it'll bring us close or whatever." When Tim yeah. immediately just goes. Is this about that guy Ian from the gym? Immediately, it's like, wow, way to go, Tim! Actually, being kind of plugged in and perceptive. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then when it's the talking about, you know, it's hard for Jill says it's hard for me to have sex if I don't feel close to you. Tim says it's hard for me, yeah. me to feel close to you if we, if we don't have sex. That is a line that is both kind of funny, but also is like not. T- that's not right. Tim just clowning or saying a thing to be contrarian. He's articulating well, the- a need in a in a like mature and rational way which is remarkably good for tim there there's a moment right before that where she goes well if there's one thing you could change about our relationship what what would it be and he says our sex life and Mm -hmm. the way that he says that is like you can really chart the the progress that tim allen has made as an actor because i feel like an earlier version would have come out like prickly like Mm -hmm. yeah you know our sex life sucks you know like Mm -hmm. there's a certain amount of entitlement that would have come out with that line like yes you owe me some sex we're married and i haven't had sex in a while yes and it there's none of that here Mm -hmm. and uh i thought that was very masterful which then opens the door for exactly what you said about them able to have an honest exchange between what they both need and and how sometimes you can have conflicting needs like that yeah and and the i the fact that he when she when she first says like be, be honest what do you need and tim says are you really sure you want me to be honest you're sure? like he's kind of like at first he's a little unwilling or like he has some yeah. hesitation to say it and some concern which shows that he's actually thinking about what he says to his wife which is great right. and then yeah also when his response to jill you know it's hard for me to feel close to you if we don't have sex jill says so what do we do tim then takes the initiative well, you said we're out of tune, so let's get a tune-up. How about I take you to Sorrentino's on Saturday for a candlelit dinner for just you and I? And it's just like, holy shit. That's true. That's clapping? Or are those chef's no, kisses? No, that's me doing chef kisses. <laughs> just, it's just kisses. What, what a perfect amalgamation of a response of both Tim and Jill's needs in that, that, in that sentence, in that sentiment. Let's yes. get a tune-up. I will take you to dinner. Like yes. he is looking at it in the way that he needs to to make it make sense to him, and he's offering her something that he knows she will like, that will both get them to the ends that they both want, but have different you know ways of getting there. So like I don't know, it's just it's it's you know ten ten more chefs kisses. I, I it was just a really really great moment. And then as they continue through these dissolves and talking through the night, you know. 
he shows some some more insight into his own being. He says something like, sometimes I just wish you would look past my words to get the deeper meaning. Uh, kind of flipping the tables on Chill a little bit from stuff yes. she said in the past. Yes. Um, then later, you know, uh, later still, uh, you know, after maybe some caramel and some melted chocolate, uh, dude, you know. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> after... After some after some spinach dip and some loot fisk, a tin full of sardines. <laughs> you don't know what you're missing, man. Um, <laughs> she's like, why don't we why don't we do some more stuff together? And you know, they start talking about some activities they can do, and it dissolves again to a little bit later. And you know, Tim's giving her a foot rub at this point. And he's like, you know, I heard that uh, uh, I heard somewhere that a couple gets divorced every minute. And Jill, with the Tim line, says. <laughs> They should stop getting married. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is such a good line. <laughs> it is a brilliant joke. Um, and then they they reminisce about uh, like the past, and she says, "You know, I was afraid that it wasn't going to work out between us uh, until there was a moment six months into our marriage." And she says that she was sick and that he passed up Laker tickets to stay with her. Yeah, and uh, they've been together for 18 years since we get that, a number on their marriage and that's literally a, like season two episode where jill is sick and tim is planning a super bowl party and it do- doesn't play out quite the way like no. it seems like tim tim forgot something between that day and <laughs> then that moment a little later on in their marriage well there there is another moment there where he goes there was a, she says there's a moment six months in uh, when I knew you were the one, or that it would work out. And Tim says, oh, yes, that's right. We were walking on the beach, and uh, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it reminded me, and I was wondering if it was a callback to the worst episode of last season, uh, the therapy episode, where she mm. starts complaining about them being on the beach and uh, being distracted by something or other. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, anyway, the other point here is uh, she goes, when was the last time we stayed up all night talking like this? And he says, uh, we haven't done that since the night we uh, I proposed to you. Uh, mm-hmm. They kind of reminisce. And it's just like, well, that's – I mean, I love everything I've seen. I, I am a little sad that in 18 years of marriage they haven't once stayed up all night to talk to each other. Like it seems like that would be a thing that would just inherently happen at some point in 18 years. I mean, maybe. I, I don't know. I mean <laughs> – Staying up all night is a pretty tall order, and I'm a lot younger than both of these characters, and I don't remember <laughs> the last time I stayed up all night doing anything. I'm, I don't know, on a Friday night, all three boys are out, and, you know, you've made yourself a nice oyster dinner, uh, you know, get get yourself in the mood, and you bring some butter upstairs, and... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> are you dipping the oysters in butter? I'm sorry, this belies... No, no, the butter separate from the oysters you the oysters prep you and then you bring the butter upstairs for the dessert oh okay okay so wait the so you're doing just butter shots after the oyster shots or is the or is the butter when you say it's part of the dessert do you mean it's uh it's to facilitate the next activity it's not to facilitate it is the next activity i mean uh you know landon i feel like i've stayed up all night talking to you and i'm i'm learning things about you that might actually be pushing me a little further away from you more than anything (laughs) Um, oh good lord um i mean the 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 last time we did this was the night we got engaged remember afterwards we went out for breakfast to that place with the big wagon wheel out front yeah that huge wagon wheel what did they call that place the wagon wheel uh remember what we did after the joke Wink, wink. Yeah, but I don't think 
I could do that after a plate of their high ho silver dollar pancakes. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm just so so. I mean, a the I don't know. The last time I did stay up all night, probably mm-hmm. about ten years ago, and was for a work thing, not for any sort of fun activity. <laughs> after okay. having stayed up all night, I was in. I, I was not in any sort of condition to do any of the stuff that they are talking about. And had you then added pancakes <laughs> on top of that? I mean, I was, and at the time, I you, was 23 not, years you old. You don't add it on top. You you integrate it into the <laughs> into the process. Well, that, no, get some but, maple syrup. You get a little bit of the whipped cream. Uh, you know, you start Landon, using the pancakes. You dab some stuff up. I, you need to have designated pancakes for dabbing stuff up and designated pancakes for eating. If we're gonna if we're gonna fully go on with this, there need to be the hygienic pancakes for cleanup, and there need to be the nutritional <laughs> pancakes you, for eating. You do a whole cleansing, you know, hygienic routine before you get into a situation like this. Yeah, but you said dabbing stuff up. I mean, stuff is gonna happen. I, I, look, Landon, I don't even. <laughs> well, you don't you don't eat it after that happens. <laughs> Okay, good. I'm glad. I don't know. I would also say when I just like go to Denny's and get pancakes, I have a hard time keeping all of the syrup on the plate when I am just sitting upright in a booth eating the pancakes. (laughs) You're talking about eating pancakes under a completely different type of circumstances in a perhaps reclining situation with another person there. That is good. You need to burn the bed after that. It's going to be a sticky mess no matter how many times you wash the sheets. About the consumption of... (laughs) Of the food in that scenario, that is completely secondary <laughs> to maybe to the other sensations that are going on. Like if maybe. you get a little bit of pancake in your mouth, that's fine. <laughs> that's not the point. You want other things in your mouth. Maybe I'm just not that romantic, Landon. Maybe that's the maybe that's the real thing. Maybe I am more I'm not, focused I'm not, on getting not, listen, a radio from serious Pee-wee. Talk. Completely serious talk. I am not suggesting that you're not romantic at all. Uh, you know, everyone has their own things. I just, I don't want you to walk away from this uh, feeling, you know, like feeling you got like a food f- complex. Feel, feel, <laughs> feeling like a freak because I, because I'm not incorporating pancakes. No, listen, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll have. You do your thing. Uh, yeah, look, uh, you know, to each their own. I don't. I did not feel. Uh, I did not feel kink shamed or lack of kink shamed in that sort of situation. I think it's just <laughs> the logistics of pancakes, even under the best of circumstances. I have a hard time. I, I have a hard time what about getting waffles? my. Okay, now waffles. Uh, can we put an NC seventeen rating on this? Because I I eat a lot of waffles. And I'm a big fan. Uh, that's uh, see because the waffle has the rigidity to it. It's not floppy and dripping syrup all over the place i think waffles are uh much more uh, effective also you can if you do egos they're smaller and more convenient you can just have a plate of them on the bedside table lego my ego or i will get prego um beautiful beautiful let's <laughs> uh let's end the scene they're they're really horny from talking all night and jill climbs on tim to kind of end this uh scene uh, like, he, like he says comment on it well, it's it's you know they have the whole line about the high ho silver dollar pancakes, and then right, Jill goes, right. maybe we can have pancakes after. And Tim goes, high ho silver, and then yeah, Jill straddles him, and the William Tell overture starts playing, and this is <laughs> perhaps the most explicit acknowledgement yet of the fact that Tim and Jill are doing it. I mean, look, uh, I'm not approved. <laughs> it's clearly not it's... based on the last twenty minutes of our conversation. <laughs> I have to admit, there there was something. There there's just kind of an inherent chasteness to this show, 
mm-hmm. that uh, seeing a physiologically <laughs> accurate uh, positioning of Jill on top of Tim in that way was just like, she's not next to him. It's not yeah. like she's crawling on him. She's yeah. sitting on his dick. Yeah. <laughs> let's just say what it is. Yeah. Let's, uh, no, let's call it, let's call it, call it what it is. Call a porn a porn. It, it was, it, it was a little intense to witness uh, and, well, and, that I didn't expect. And I think part of the problem with it is that w- whether we wanted to or not, we've kind of come to view Tim and Jill a little bit as surrogate parents. And yes. so <laughs> watching them doing that was maybe not really how we... Wa- it's one thing to know conceptually that they are doing it, but then to right. actually have it be presented to you, it's... Uh... <laughs> All right, now you've gotten to a place for that. I don't... That's a Rubicon I'm not willing to cross. Yeah. Oh, okay, so. there you go. So, okay, pancakes... Our, and oysters and a vat of butter are acceptable, but uh, the notion of, of a married couple who have three children having sex, that is that is a bridge too far. Um, uh, a little bit. We go to our stinger. Oh, my God. I forgot um, we, about this stinger. Oh, Jesus. We, we fade out uh, with, with Jill on top of Tim, and we come back to the stinger. The scene is continuing as if it never ended. and <laughs> Tugging um, on our collars anxiously. Oh, geez. Oh, no. And... Um, from the bathroom, as Jill is on top of Tim, uh, uh, Mr. Ian, Tom Wopat, comes out and says, Jill, Jill, where's the, where's your toothpaste? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's shirtless. He's he's sweating. Oh, yeah. We're sweating. <laughs> Everyone's sweating. <laughs> uh, Tim's Tim's having a kick out of it. Clearly, uh, Patricia Richardson didn't know that he was going to come out of the, <laughs> the bathroom at this moment because her face is completely shocked uh, to see him. And Tim gets up, and they kind of they they fake fisticuff and then walk arm in arm into the bathroom together. You you didn't sell that enough. He puts his arm around Ian, and they walk back into the closet eh? together, redolent with uh, symbolism. I um. I don't know if you've seen the music video for the Olivia Newton-John song "Physical," where she transforms a bunch of schlubby dudes into sexy dudes at a gym, hoping to date one of them. But then at the end of the video, all the sexy dudes are then in love with each other, and they all walk out holding hands, giving each other amorous <laughs> looks. It's a lot like that. Uh, th- thanks for the the wrap up there, um, well, Truman. I, yeah, some a cultural context that people would recognize the music video for "Physical." Yes, Landon. What do we learn from this episode? We learned from this episode that uh, you shouldn't get too hung up on what happens in dreams. Marriage doesn't exist mm-hmm. in dreams. You can, you can be a total slut you in have a dream. You a dream about marrying matter. someone. Well, I mean, yes, but even... Well, no, I don't even mean it like that. I mean that your marriage that exists in the real world doesn't exist in yep. a dream. And you can do whatever the hell you want. You can be a fucking freak in your dreams, <clears> and you shouldn't get bent <clears> out of shape or be a fucking freak worried. in real life, too. We well, could be a, yeah no be a freak in real life be a freak in your dreams it just if like if you're married to someone or in a relationship with someone and someone in a dream wants to get freaky with you who's not someone you're in a relationship with go wild it doesn't mean anything and don't get hung up on it when you're awake again and worry that it means something because it's just shit that happens <laughs> uh, and you know if you are uh, in an 18 year marriage with someone and you're thinking hey maybe. Uh, this guy who hit on me in the gym that I find really attractive and is making me question a few things. Uh, you're thinking, well, this might be a new part of me that I want to explore that's been unlocked that you know I haven't really had the opportunity to before. Maybe 
we'll talk to your therapist first. Work it out for yourself before you decide to bring it up to your partner. But if you feel safe, bring it up with your partner and say, I'm having these thoughts. Just a thing, perhaps. But, you know, thought, I'd, I'd breach the subject, see if you want to explore it with me. If not, we can shut the door, never, never approach it again. We don't have to do that. But, Landon. Hey, swingers. <laughs> is the word polyamorous? <laughs> is it the key word party? is not polyamorous? <laughs> or, listen, I <laughs> is pull it... back behind the curtain. I I've been I'm just trying to insert a new new segment into the show, <laughs> asking you what we learn from every episode. It's not necessarily to try to get you to guess the the secret word this week. Is the secret word sex? Eh. <laughs> uh, no, I think we've said that many times. Although, yeah, I, I we we have maybe not, maybe we've said fucking instead of sex, but it, it, it's not whatever. it's not pancakes, is it? Um, <laughs> no, we've also said that. Toned? Uh, is it uh, weights? <laughs> is it is it uh, iron? Uh, no, glistening. Um, I mean, I mm. I should have thought this clue through a little bit further because it's a hard one to give you or uh, this word because it's hard to give you a clue about it without giving it away. Mm. Um, uh, it might be Spartacus. <laughs> <laughs> no, we already said Spartacus. <laughs> I don't know if this word would apply to anything in Spartacus, though. Um, Glutes. I guess it depends on your your opinion of Tony Curtis and a loincloth, but uh, biceps. Yeah, no, mm. I, I. It might be something you find in the bedroom scenario that I laid out. Syrup. Uh, 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 let's see. Uh, uh, forks. Uh, I'm going to give you three more guesses. Uh. French toast. Okay. Hash browns. Okay. Coffee? Hot coffee? <laughs> okay, Here, here's here's a, a tip, uh, both for this one as well as future ones and past ones. You, you tend to guess a lot of nouns. Yeah. And a lot of my words have been adjectives or verbs or other things beyond nouns. Mm-hmm. So what what you're saying is you should start picking nouns for the word, right? That's that's the suggestion that you're giving to yourself. <laughs> yep, yep. I'm talking to myself. I'm looking in the mirror right now. You can't see that, but um, also mirrors. Interesting thing to incorporate. <laughs> Depending on how you feel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, incorporate it into your podcasting too. It really it really helps you when you need to give your uh, co-host some hints about things. All right, what's the word? What's the word, Landon? Before we say anything else that gets us banned from the internet, <laughs> this secret word was juicy. Oh man, I okay. I mean, juicy. I was on the right track. The word was as horny were, as the rest were. of this episode was. You know. I, I listen. I think you do a good job every single week. It's, <laughs> Thank it's you. a gold star for as trying. you said in in one of our previous episodes. There's only one of a hundred million words to choose from in the English language, so uh, the the odds are stacked stacked against you. Um, but I think you do a great job trying to guess every week. Well, thank you, Landon. I think you do a great job picking words every week. I, you know, I mean, I think we're both really doing our best here. <laughs> I mean, I'm doing my half best, but um, we have one more thing we have to cover this yes. week, which is uh, the grunt count. How many do you think there were in this very horny episode? 
I got to be honest, I as I've mentioned before in this episode, I was very distracted while watching. Mm-hmm. So I'm really just going off of memory here. And while I f- I feel like there may have been opportunity, I don't think they capitalize on any of it. I think there are zero grunts. Final that's, answer. That's correct. And let's all be honest, that's kind of a shock, isn't it? This is an episode that takes place, a lot of it in a gym, a place where people mm-hmm. grunt, and it's a lot about sex, another yes. institution where grunting is a, is a big thing. So kind of shocking that there would be none at all in this episode, but... That's that's the true fact. That's the way the cookie crumbles. By the way, cookies also interesting. <laughs> yes, I mean I I mean I there's really I mean once you've already introduced oysters and butter into the situation, it's like you're going to throw cookies <laughs> no, the oyster, out there and oysters be like weren't, weren't part of it. It was a pre prelude. You do the oysters okay. at dinner. It gets you in I, the mood. I also don't I also don't really follow with that because nothing about eating an oyster makes me feel I, I don't know. The only thing it's a, eating an oyster makes me feel like doing is, I, is it though? Is it like what about it's eating a slimy salty I, I mean, I'm briny a vegetarian. Thing. I don't I don't do that anymore. I don't I don't think that there's a vegan version. There's no tofu oysters and if there were, <laughs> they certainly wouldn't make you horny. <laughs> I mean, unless it's like tofu that's been braised in ground up Viagra or something. It's like blue tofu. Uh, and even then, and even then, Viagra like eating a urinal cake. That would be so gross. It would be it would be pretty bad. And I also just want to make clear, I do understand that Viagra doesn't make you horny. It just makes it possible for you to have an erection. So I'm not I'm not misrepresenting that. I just figured, you know, for know. the purposes of the joke. Do you, I, that seems like an interesting two way street. Could you? <laughs> okay, I, I'll I'll put the kibosh on that right now. Yeah, th- yeah, thank you, thank you, Landon. <laughs> Is this going to be one of those I really weeks wanted where I'm ed- to demonstrate <laughs> the discomfort men have of talking about sex? Is this going to be one of those weeks where I where like I'm getting texts from you like, hey, could you edit this bit out and, and could you also nope. edit this bit out of the episode? You, hey, you, come on, it would be the whole episode. You could hear you could hear it here first. I'm giving you full <laughs> full. <laughs> full uh uh signing off rights i'm I'm signing my media release to you uh use anything in any way you want to i i will i will edit you saying that out of the episode um (laughs) zero grunts zero inhibitions no rules that's that's what this episode's all about yep 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 post amble i just have one word here Mm -hmm. listeners i don't know what it means (laughs) okay the the word is listeners. i like them yeah, I appreciate them. They're really cool, and I like everyone that does uh, listen to us. Yes, I do too. I don't know why I wrote it. <laughs> I look, I uh, I like everyone who listens to our show too, especially after the episode that we've just made them listen to. Anyone who listens to our next episode <laughs> after having listened to this episode, uh, they deserve they deserve chalupas just on on spec, just as a medal of honor for having shown up. Uh, you're not going to get them, but you deserve them. Oh, good Lord. Um, I will say that uh, due to the holiday schedules, um, we will be off for the next one or two weeks here uh, for our main show, but uh, our night's episodes will continue. So uh, if you are a patron subscriber, you will continue to get episodes, but uh, we have to take a few weeks off because we'll be in different states on uh, different parts of the country doing I mean, a that's holiday with a family. Already, okay, that that is the new, yeah, different states normally is the case, but the holidays with family is a different <laughs> thing. And look, after the episode we've just had, I think we both need a little bit of time to just <laughs> cool off. Cool off. Take a cold shower. Cold shower. <laughs> yeah, think about baseball. Listen, listen I'm going to put my arm around you. We'll head to the showers right after this. <laughs> 
And Olivia Newton-John will just shake her head in disappointment. <laughs> Okie dokie. Grunt work is made possible by our patrons. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to help us create this show, consider becoming an official Grunthead sponsor over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod, where for only... Uh, as little as $1, you can get access to our entire archive of Gruntwork Nights episodes. So get on over there, patreon.com slash gruntworkpod. Leave us a rating review wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the fastest, easiest way to get us uh, people to listen to us. Uh, it helps people find the show. It does help. I'm being truthful with you. Stop by to say hi to us on Twitter or Instagram, at gruntworkpod. Or you can visit our website at www.gruntworkpodcast.com. Where you can also see (laughs) other information on today's episode and sign up for our weekly newsletter to be notified whenever a new episode is released. And until next time, when we bring you another episode of Home Improvement, I've been Landon Solano. I've been Truman Caps. And remember, when you're at the YMCA flirting with some cute widower with four daughters, have a great time. But always be sure to wipe the sweat off the machine before you go off to smooch him in the locker room. It's just common. <laughs>